0: the each episode and in the beginning in order for me to be all over the place it was I was totally going on to Fiverr it was I seriously just it's I've gotten so much from my business through them so please use my link which you can find in the description of this episode or you can go to marcellaalonzo.com and book there through Fiverr today you'll be glad you did Hello and welcome to Get School. Today I have the lovely Alice Little. Thank you, Alice, for being on Get Schooled. Could you please tell my audience who you are, all about you, um, your background, and what type of sex work you do?
1: Well, hello and thank you so much for having me. My name is Alice Little, and I am a legal sex worker, sex educator, and sex worker rights activist. I started out working at the Sagebrush Ranch in 2015, moved to the Bunny Ranch in 2017, worked there through the end of 2020, the pandemic happened. And then currently I work at the Chicken Ranch Brothel, which is located outside of Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm best known as being the most successful legal sex worker to come out of the Nevada brothel industry. And it's certainly not how I got my start in sex work. (laughs) I actually started out doing a BDSM in sex education. I was in college in New York And you know how they just like randomly match you up with people to be our roommates? Yeah. So I got these two people who were already friends and knew each other. Uh And so I was the last one moving in. And they had a suspicious amount of leather on the wall, you know, and like no dogs because it's college. But like (laughs) there is like leather, 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 Uh leather, everything. Everything is in their closet in college. And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) Tell me everything and they kind of were like zip their lips throw away the key for the first while then I found out that somebody's parents owned a private dungeon in New York City and I pretty much (laughs) I threw such a fit until they took me there and I'm like no you have to take me you have to take me and finally I was able to get a job there working at the front desk. Cause I'm like, no, your organization system is a disaster. Are you serious? No. Like they were using like a paper Uh calendar. There was nothing, nothing online. No way to communicate with people during the incidents of like bad snow or a storm or power outage. There was nothing. And so I'm like, hi, I want to get involved. Please, 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 please. And they're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Fine. Let me start doing that. And I also started an educational track for them, bringing in different presenters that I wanted to learn from and other people, of course, wanted to learn from, too.
0: Oh, that is so smart.
1: (laughs) So I got to hang out at a dungeon and pretty much just sit there and absorb a world-class level of knowledge of BDSM and kink and safe sex and how to have, safe threesomes and how do you negotiate and rope and fire and All this crazy stuff and eventually started teaching and presenting myself because of course I'm active in the community I'm going Mm -hmm. to the parties I'm getting the real world experiences and I start teaching and traveling and going to all these different events not just New York and my own little local dungeon but I was invited to teach at other dungeons and other conventions and eventually I was teaching all over the place on weekends while selling cell phones at like an (laughs) AT&T during the day. Like I had the most vanilla job imaginable. And then like this whole secret BDSM thing that I'm doing on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And that's where I first heard about the brothels was from another educator who had gone and done a tour. And they're telling me all about this crazy bunny ranch thing. And I remember staying up late when I was a kid and watching it on HBO, that old like cat house tv show so I'm like right oh my god I gotta do this
0: right Right. and you already had you you know that's you're the first sex worker um all my I had to go into first I entered dancing and then I I was lifelong but you're the first sex worker I think I've ever heard that got like a lot of education ahead of yourself like that and you you got hands-on experience a lot of people it's you know, different experiences, why we've gotten in there. So you already had a lot of knowledge. Yeah,
1: I was already 25 by the time I started actually being a full service sex worker within the Nevada brothel system. Uh I had started learning from the time that I was like 18 and a half and Uh pretty much had done nothing on the weekends. Like I either was horseback riding and spending time at the barn, being a barn rat Uh or I was at the BDSM and dungeon parties and teaching classes and attending classes. And eventually it led to me hearing about this cool opportunity to go out to the ranches and do the thing in person with other people legally. So I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I want to try that. And Mm -hmm. so I went online. They've got a little online thing at the bottom of each website. It kind of like, so you want to work at the chicken ranch or bunny ranch or whatever brothel it is and right you apply and you send a little email and you send some photos, which by the way, they don't have to be nude. They don't actually want to see your whole like front side right. It's not porn. They, yeah. they also want to see what you look like. They yeah. want to see if we're being very frank, if you're going to be a good image fit for the company. And we can talk about that a little bit more later. But yeah. they're making a couple of judgment calls based off of your image, your email, and then finally a phone call where you have a phone interview process and go through all the requisite questions. Are you able to pass the background check requirement? Here's the various conditions. Here's how much money it costs to get started. You've got to fly yourself out there, the licensure, the fees, et cetera. And then of course, if they have room, you get scheduled for your first tour at the ranch. So I I certainly didn't start out just jumping into this, like, yeah, I'm gonna be a sex worker. No, no, it was a very, very long journey just to start in full service sex work. And like I'm and you, 34 you, years I'm, old and
0: right. still learning today. God. Right. No, um, I, I, I like the fact that you did get BDSM training because now with the pandemic, and we talked about this earlier, a lot of people are jumping in and they're like, oh. I do domination. Hey, daddy. And they've got the flogger. And I'm <laughs> like, no, I'm screaming. You know, if you're yeah. a dominant, you don't say this. If you're submissive, this is so they don't know the full right, right, right. And I have to even, att-
1: even beyond that, the safety of when I see somebody yes. pull out the hank of rope. And they're like, I'm going to oh. tie them up. And then, and then what they do is they put the rope right over somebody's wrists, right over all their arteries. Mm. If there is anything that people take away from this, don't play with rope until you actually take some rope classes. Oh, my God. Just play with the little fuzzy handcuffs until then. I pinky promise. Yes, yes, awesome. yes, yes, yes.
0: They need to go to Mistress Tara, Indiana, and in Los Angeles. <laughs> that I who I did an earlier episode. If you are interested, and you're right about that because safety is important. That's good that you had that form of education. And ahead of time before you got involved. So you knew the safety aspect in case somebody is submissive and goes to you. So that's great. Now, when you were watching the cat house as a kid, uh, they would announce how much they make and all that. How much was the reality of once you finally went into the brothel of what you made versus what was on TV?
1: At first, I mean, it it was very interesting in the sense that a lot of things that you see on TV are just. Frankly speaking, made for TV, the HBO Cat House series is the earliest incarnation of reality made for TV, not reality filmed. And that differentiation is really important and something that I learned firsthand because no. It doesn't work like it does in the Cat House TV show. No, people aren't just coming through the door and handing you $10,000 in a Louis Vuitton giant suitcase full of money. That's not reality. At the same time, I have to be really frank and honest my first week I made more money than anybody else at that particular location. There was a new girl luck, you know, young, pretty white, definitely had lots of statistical advantages working for me new, which by the way is like a phenomenon that only lasts for so long that eventually goes away. Yes. And so there's a shot that I got lucky the first week and I happen to be very fortunate and lucky in the sense that I received really good quality mentorship within my time at the ranch I was paired with Roxy Gold huge shout out to her she's an OG brothel girl who's still in it she's amazing and Mm -hmm. she really kind of like walked me through my first couple of weeks at the ranch and kind Mm -hmm. of helped me figure out what in the hell I was actually doing as a full-service sex worker Because, boy, howdy, they don't teach you how to do that on TV now, do they? Mm -hmm. There is no manual. There is no idiot's guide to being a Nevada brothel worker. And you can't really write that book because there is no one set way to be a Nevada brothel worker. You've got to figure it out for yourself. And so I learned a lot from the other ladies I worked with. And I managed to become the starlet of the month my first Mm month.
0: Right. Right.
1: What I made in an entire month, my first month, that was the most money that anybody made at that particular location that month is the equivalent amount to what I now receive for a single overnight. To just put it in perspective as far as like financial journey, the fact that what success looks like early in a career does not look the same as success long-term and also perception versus reality because in perspective now, in hindsight- Wow, I was working extremely hard to give up half of what I earn to the ranch. I was sleeping there, working literally every single day. I didn't miss a single lineup. Like I worked crazy silly hard. I was mm. working harder instead of smarter when I started to like get ahead. Like I was grinding, I was grinding, and there's no, there's no longevity in that, which is something mm. I
0: learned. Right. (laughs) I learned that lesson. Yeah, no, I've learned. um, I've seen a lot of new people in sex work. And um, for instance, like I my only fans, I tell my guys, I let my guys know this is the hours I go to because right now I don't see anybody in person or anything. But my only fans, I answer everything. But I let them know I'm up at 8am. I check my account for about an hour or two. They're not going to hear from me during the day. And then at night they can hear from me. And they can order customs. They can do video calls or whatever. And now I'm seeing people that they feel the need that they need to be on their tr- OnlyFans 24 hours a day. That is not, that. it's that is not realistic. And because I've been a li- like li- an adult life worker of a sex work, I know how valuable my regulars are. And I'm honestly making, I've been doing way better. Um, working my personal way and instead of turning the wheels or hiring extra assistants or doing whatever so I totally get what you're saying because you have to have a life and a balance for your mental health and sex yeah
1: and and this is really a a really great point which is Where do you find mentorship within the industry in a way that's not exploitative? And one thing I've learned is if somebody is making money off of you, they cannot have your best interests at heart. Whether that be a brothel owner, an agent, a manager, an OnlyFans company, if their earnings are directly tied to your earnings, unfortunately, it sets it up for a power imbalance relationship where they're not going to be the right person to give you advice. And like I mentioned earlier, I definitely found out the hard way that not every piece of advice you get mm-hmm. is good advice. One yeah. of the earliest pieces of advice that I got from the ranch itself was ignore social media, only use our platform. The mm, that's message board which is an internal proprietary exclusive message board only for the clients of that specific ranch. This is micro niche of micro niche. Like this is not even Reddit. This is like even smaller than that. And we're being told that we're supposed to post on this thing 10 to 15 times per day, respond and like, and do all of this crazy amount of what I call like busy button pushing that doesn't actually roll the ball forward you're you're juggling is what you're doing you're not pushing the ball forward you're just standing in place and you're juggling a whole bunch of balls but you're not actually benefiting yourself you're driving traffic to somebody else's monetized platform where they're receiving financial benefit from ad revenue and that didn't benefit me I made way more money when I started to focus on external social media, Twitter, YouTube. I was willing to try platforms that hadn't necessarily been used by people in my industry before, trying new things that other people said. There's no way you can do that. Again and again, I was told, if you do YouTube, your videos will get taken down. Okay, so then I'll put them back up again. And I did. And I did. And that ended up being a really successful way for me to reach people.
0: Yeah, because it goes viral, and then I, I've noticed, because like we were talking earlier, there's people selling promo, but I notice if I do stuff that's outside the box, such as this podcast, I've been noticing a better feedback, If because I'm on YouTube, Twitter, uh, Facebook. A lot of people sit on Facebook. Facebook is great. Uh, What's the mm-hmm. other ones? Reddit. You know, you will... You're right. You're totally right about that. So you actually started the social media, people using social media for the ranches?
1: A little bit more actively, I think. Okay. At that time, there wasn't a YouTube presence for the ranches. And that's something that I was the first Nevada brothel sex worker to start a YouTube Mm -hmm. channel and start creating content, educational content about the brothels and not just come book me. Here's my specials. I'm so sexy. But (laughs) this is my advice for a new person coming to the ranch for the first time. This is the process of booking a sex worker. Hey, this is how you actually go through the steps of booking somebody. Here's what to expect from your first brothel visit. Realistically, to kind of educate the general public a little bit so they have some idea of decorum when they enter the place of business, not just for my benefit, of course, but like for the overall benefit of the industry, because there's really nothing educating people. How do you behave at a Nevada brothel? Right. Like people come in thinking it's a strip club. Like they're going to throw dollar bills at us and line up. <laughs> in the lineup, and no, it's not like that at all. Somebody needs to explain to the person. So the ladies are going to come in one by one. They're going to introduce themselves by name and stand in a line and you'll select whichever lady catches your eye to take you on a tour of the ranch. Somebody actually has to do that education, it yes. historically happened at the point of being at the ranch for a lot of guys with anxiety too much. They're not walking in without a clear idea of what in the world is happening behind those doors. Right. And there really was nothing to wear. There was nothing like right. I went into it pretty blind and super duper freaked out. So like I tried to put myself in the shoes of like a skirt, scared, nervous virgin dude. Who's never been to a brothel or strip club or Anything before who's gonna try and pay for sex for the first time, what in the world does he need to know to actually get him through the front doors in a way that isn't going to scare and intimidate him and make him want to poop his pants?
0: Right, right, right. That's (laughs) very, very good because uh got people do need that guidance. And there's a lot of people, there's a I've noticed I've had I've had some of the best customers, fans, clients out there ever. And I personally have always like when I started this trip club, I love having the regulars and I love them coming back. And I enjoy that interaction with them. And yeah. I, through the years, there's guys that I've run across and they'll know how to behave because they found some sort of educational and they've learned and they've learned the proper way and how to behave and what to do. And, and they appreciate them. They look and it's very dating for men is very, very hard a lot of it's terrifying it's very it's for, for men it's we place and let's say if we just wanted to go date a guy and we put an ad on bumble we get a million hits women oh, have we percent percent all and, the choices right and men you're taught in this stage and age you know you've got to be polite you've got to pay for the dinner you've got to do this you've got to do that so and that's already scary enough jim just dating to hopefully be able to get it meanwhile the male Has this urge that they want to go have sex and it's human nature. There's nothing wrong with it. And so I feel like by them going to the right resources and being educated, that's a very healthy experience. I don't look down on that. And actually I've had the best when I stripped, I had some of the best clients. Even um, today, I did a video call with one of my good fans and we had a great half an hour talk and everything earlier today And, you know, we've been talking for a while and, and we have like that, you know, we have that understanding and he shares stories of his struggle for dating and it's, it's very scary, but I'm giving him that companionship for that hour. And we're humans. We crave intimacy. We crave sex. We do It's
1: in our DNA, eat, sleep, shelter ourselves. Have sex. That's part of it. That's a part of our, like, natural biology. It's something that as adults, we all desire more or less. Some people desire it and simply don't have access to it regularly. The brothels are great because they help to fill that gap for people. And it's safe, it's sane, it's consensual, it's legalized. Is it the world's most perfect system by God? No, I'm not here to say that there should be Nevada brothels in every single state. But we have a whole lot that we can learn from the existing system to create better models of employment elsewhere. Like, for example, one of the biggest hurdles right now for the Nevada brothel industry is this 50% standard of split pay between the house and the sex worker. Mm -hmm. That kind of split creates a really challenging economic situation where girls have to do the math if they already are working independently, which many ladies are, how much money am I earning outside versus inside of the ranch? And am I making more money inside of the ranch after foregoing 50% and paying for my testing, my licensure, room, board, wh- whatever the various expenses are at each requisite property, which vary wildly, by the way, it's county by county, Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily standardized across the whole industry. So your experiences will vary as a sex worker mm-hmm. from one location to the next location and from one mm-hmm. county to the next county. Like there's even different legal requirements to be a brothel worker in the different counties. So mm-hmm. some ladies can work in one county, but then they couldn't work in another county. It's very, very complicated. And why Why really- do they
0: do one county versus the other county? What what is uh, I'm just curious about that.
1: Oh, uh, different sets of legislation. So for example, in one county, you could perhaps have a charge for being a independent sex worker and have a prostitution charge on your record. Mm -hmm. Even if it was a felony level charge, if it was five years or older, you can still work in that county so long as it's five years or older. Mm -hmm. However, in another county, they see any prostitution charge, any sort of felony charge, and they're like, Absolutely not. They do not believe in second chances. They don't believe in a genuine quality justice system. And they don't make it inclusive for people to then work at the ranch, which also creates an additional barrier of entry for somebody who may have a criminal record. And we have to be very realistic here that most sex workers aren't as privileged as I am to enter the industry coming fresh out of a vanilla job that I could have done for the next 20 years and still retired as an average. You know, middle class American citizen. I had a certain level of privilege already coming into this. Right that barrier of entry, giving fifty percent up, having to afford the cost of flight out to Nevada, bring your suitcases, have all of your work supplies, your outfits, your condoms, your toys, everything yep. you need to work there. And- Even a computer is a privilege because having access to a laptop is going to allow you to be on Twitter and advertise yourself. And not everybody comes into this industry with the privilege of having their own electronics. So like there's many, many barriers of entry that are potentially there within the existing system that I feel like we can probably adjust at a more national level as we talk about decriminalization and legalization and what does brothel look like for America? Like what do we do in the future? Well, I mean, I think it's going to be a heck of a conversation. That's for sure.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, times I'm kind of a little bit worried about it. This is my concern. And I've shared this more than once on this podcast, Um, because I, you know, I'm Hispanic and it's, Coming into this business, and I've said this time over and over again, it's very difficult if you're a person of color to get into this business and to come in it. And I I am worried about it being decriminalized. And I've had arguments with people before or even legalized. I'm more scared of legalization than anything else because of the price dropping. And mm-hmm. it, and I, I got involved with a program one time. And they were real big about the decriminalization, but it was a predominantly all Caucasian woman that wanted it decriminalized. And they were saying, oh, this is going to help the black and brown community. And, you you know, my father used to say he wished uh, liquor wasn't legal because he would be making a lot of money from that. I, I understand now why he would say that. So mm-hmm. that is my personal fear because, again, when I came in, things were difficult for me in my day and era, and oh, yeah, yeah it and still,
1: it still is difficult today. You can go today to the Bunny Ranch website and count the number of blondes that appear on the website, and then count the number of women of color that appear on the website. The numbers speak for itself. That is a factual reality. You can go and do the numbers for yourself. It is just what it simply is. And it's not right. It's not appropriate. Our brothel system needs to reflect the genuine demographic of folks that are working as sex workers and not just women and women of color. But you'll also notice there's no men on there. There's no trans people on there. There's Mm -hmm. no trans women, no trans men. I'm sorry. There are plenty of trans people in sex work. It is ridiculously ridiculously exclusive and how like tippy tippy top of the pyramid the Nevada brothel system is it is like literally the tip of the iceberg and sex work exists there's no
0: um trans woman because when I used to dance I had a lot of um I danced with a lot of trans my one girlfriend (laughs) it it brings me back it's a memory because I'll never forget her she would we would try leaving and the club she goes I'm gonna tell him I have my period. And she would she would say she would joke like that. And I'll be like, i I'll say that. I have my period. You gotta drive me so we could leave early. Because I worked with so many when I danced, they a lot of clubs didn't care. They really didn't care. I worked at a lot of different clubs. No, it and, should be.
1: Why, why right. And,
0: and and they're a gorgeous women. They're a woman, first of all. And that's, God, yes. that's funny because I started in the mid 90s and that was way. It, that was what was open back then, but I can't believe now, this day and age, twenty twenty three, there's no trans woman working at any brothels,
1: not successfully. There was a a trans man who I'm very very dear friends with, uh, uh-huh. Braden Hughes. He started at the chicken ranch. Um, he actually started another ranch working under a different name and then transitioned while working within the industry, worked as a trans man within the industry and unfortunately found it extremely, extremely difficult to really gain any sort of leverage without the vocal support of the media, promotions, the Mm. internet, Twitter, there was very much so this, well, there's a trans guy here, but we're kind of, there's a trans guy here, not celebratory in nature. And that obviously did not create a situation that optimized someone for success. And very much so, there's different pathways to success within this industry there's the quick and easy road that you think is the right way because it's the road that everybody tells you to go down there's the grind it out and go super hard that has you going back and forth through like the disney four-hour queue of hell (laughs) and then and then there's the sustainable path which is Something that actually looks like building a long-term career that's sustainable, that allows you to rest and have boundaries while still achieving your financial goals in a way that is sane and sustainable right. long term. And I always tell people like that's that's what you want to do. You want to hit your goals, but you don't want to burn out.
0: Right. So now with you working at the brothel, because um originally I wanted to get the interview and um, but we waited because you had something going on um And I was cool about it. That's why I was like, "Don't worry, we'll just do it at the end of the month." What is your schedule now? How do you? How often do you work at the brothel?
1: So I work by appointment only. I Uh typically come in for one set week every single month, and I'm available on tour by appointment during that week. If somebody has a request that's like throughout the month and it's not during my tour, Uh there is the option to have me come in see the doctor, specifically see just that one person, and then fly home. And that's something that is really nice and is definitely a privilege that not all locations have. Not all ladies would necessarily get that type of opportunity. So it's very mm-hmm. important to point out like, no, I'm able to do this and that's a privilege. You
0: earned You earned your stripes.
1: I, I suppose that's a good way to look at it. But <laughs> like, the, the reality is, For me, and this is not true of everyone, for me, I find that I give my best when I see one person each day. Having a bunch of back-to-back people is physically exhausting and mentally challenging. And I feel like I can't really be present and give a good quality experience. Mm -hmm. And if I want to do this long-term, it's important for me to protect my energy and take the time to have a clientele basis that I'm comfortable seeing, that I feel excited to see. And a lot of that is getting to know people a little bit and having it be by appointment and getting to email or text or chat on the phone and get to know Mm -hmm. each other a little bit as people makes a really big difference for me and the quality of experience I provide. And I'm also privileged at this point in my career to be able to offer exclusively that kind of an appointment set up for myself. Right.
0: Because you, again, and I want to clarify so people, you know, my listeners can understand you've been doing this since 2015, way before the pandemic full time. You have, you you know, it wasn't something you did it for a moment. You stopped. I've never stopped. You've never stopped. You've You've been been consistent. You've been, because I think I've, I've seen you a lot through social media, a whole lot. And so even probably during the pandemic, you were working. Oh, God, in- yeah. I sued yeah. the
1: governor of Nevada to try to get the brothels reopened during the Wait pandemic. A minute, so like, you, sued
0: did- the, you sued the governor of Nevada?
1: Casually. Yeah, during the pandemic, because I got uh-huh. really upset that we were the last industry to open. Uh-huh. Like, they had drinking and smoking in the casinos before he wanted to let the brothels reopen. And I was like, this is bullshit. I'm suing.
0: And so oh, I did. Wow. I sued
1: the governor. And like, I would have been successful if any of the brothel owners had had the balls to back me up. But unfortunately, because I'm a brothel worker, I don't have Uh. the primary license. They essentially told Mm. me that I don't have any rights.
0: Yeah, no, they do that to us sex workers a lot. They they take away our rights and it's not right. And then the brothels, and I'm not trying to defend the brothels by this, but I probably know they're probably pigeonholed that they don't want to like, it's politics for them.
1: Yeah, keep- they don't want to stir the pot. Right. And it's very important to note, the brothels did not suffer financially during the pandemic. The majority of locations were eligible for and received money from the government that was forgiven in the form the of loans. protection programs. Yes. And okay. Small Business Association forgivable loans that were available to them through the multiple LLCs and S-Corps and businesses that they own as subsidiaries of the brothel. So they didn't receive the money directly from their brothel, but from the restaurant inside Mm. the brothel or the accounting office
0: that runs the brothel. During the pandemic, and I'm sorry, so sorry to interrupt, but what were you guys able to get? Were you guys able to get unemployment? Because I do have friends. No, we
1: received nothing. The majority of Nevada brothel workers received 0 0 cents of relief. The majority of us made too much money to qualify for any of the like, um.
0: Unemployment.
1: Uh, we made, not the unemployment, the, uh, the distributions that they had done, the, um.
0: PPP loan?
1: No, no, no. This was the, the checks that they were cutting out. It was like $1,200 or so. And then if you had kids, you got an additional amount, the, um.
0: Oh I know what you're talking about this um stimulus. It- yes yeah,
1: we weren't okay. eligible for stimulus because we were in an intimate industry we were told that we weren't eligible for PPP due to a Clinton era legislation it excluded specifically like sex and adult businesses for being eligible for relief. And so we weren't eligible for that. And by proxy, the SBA loans, we were not eligible for. And because we're independent Mm. contractors, we're not earning a wage. We're not employed. So we couldn't even get unemployment. And so the majority of ladies, unless they had a structure through their own LLCs, where they were an employee of the LLC and then the LLC was able to get benefit, like 99% of us within the industry, myself included, received $0.00 and 0 cents of benefit from the government. Well, I know brothels that exceeded benefit well into the mid-six figures.
0: Oh of forgivable gosh.
1: loans. Fully forgivable loans. Because I do
0: know strippers that were able to get unemployment. I knew of some strippers that did get, and good for them if they were able to get it because. Oh, God, of, yeah. And that's yeah, important. I'm not to trying to shame too. anybody that. No, did it. it is right. so important,
1: by right. the way, to really right. mention that, that like, It can't be about dragging people down and like being crappy because somebody got something and you didn't. If you know somebody who got the loan, shut your mouth and be happy for them. Exactly. Like be happy for each other. We got to lift each other up. We all went through the pandemic together. We all suffered. If anybody saw any advantage or statistical edge during that time, good for them. We all went through it. Why would we wish more right. suffering upon someone? Now,
0: what did you do during the pandemic when things were shut down? How were you feeling? What was your emotions? What was going on with you?
1: I literally was there at the ranch seeing somebody <laughs> the night that we had shut down because I booked like an overnight. And so uh-huh. like we were wrapping up that morning. and They're like, you guys have to be done by noon because the pandemic were closed. And I'm like, Oh shit! Oh, oh god! And so I finish up my appointment in like a day. I don't even think I processed it. I left. I really, I really, my idiot self believed the whole two weeks to drop the curve. Uh-huh. So I like left so much shit at the ranch. I left like everything set up at the ranch, thinking, oh, it's no big deal. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. It'll be like a vacation, it'll be fun. I haven't taken a week off since I started doing sex work in 2015. The only time I had taken off was like a period of four weeks when my appendix burst and I had to have oh. appendix surgery. That was like the only vacation I had taken. And that's
0: not really a vacation. Uh, like, no. that's not Yeah, yeah, no, that's no. not, no.
1: So like I had been grinding nonstop. So I was like, oh, this is great. And so I kind of hung out for a week and then two weeks. And then we weren't re and then by the third week, I'm like, "Oh f this!" And I started an OnlyFans account. Now, mm-hmm. keeping in mind, I already was on Twitter. I already right. was on the internet. I already had an Instagram. You product. had
0: you had a social media following. It wasn't like you started something from nothing. So, I already had a mm-hmm. newsletter
1: list of fifteen thousand people that were asking. What are you going to do next? And so okay. I pivoted to doing virtual online sex work, virtual girlfriend experiences where we go and walk the dogs together. That's right. Get up, put your dog on a leash, you depressed man. And we are going for a walk together because you need the motivation to get out of your house because you work from home now. Yeah. Right. Get up, get going. We're doing yoga. Mm-hmm. I, I was like the virtual 24-7 Girlfriend, for some people, like I put people to bed. I called people to wake them up in the morning. We did yoga, dog walking. I went to the zoo virtually with someone when the-, <laughs> the zoo opened up, which was kind of fun. Right. Like I did OnlyFans. I was on Patreon. I did sex education classes virtually. Right. I also started a sexworkersupport.com website. It's no uh-huh. longer up since the pandemic. Really right. impacting work in the same way. But I created a website where all the mutual aids
0: could all get. Oh, that's great. That's day. great. I had in fact I did an episode with uh Vegas Suede Vegas recently.
1: Love them. Shout out yes. to Suede Vegas. Give your $503 yes. to Suede. They're great.
0: Yeah. Wow. No, they I was I'm that was one organization I found out about that I was very happy with because I've I tried getting involved with some and I can honestly say Suede Vegas seems to be the one that I personally, you know what I mean, um, recommend. Right. I know great.
1: I know multiple women who have applied for micro grants and received micro grants from them. They uh-huh. did testing grants for the porn industry during an outbreak of STDs and STIs. Yes. For everyone to refresh their testing, which is very expensive. They yes. offered micro grants for uh, POC and trans performers to help bridge that gap of equity, which was very important. So yes. like they do- phenomenal, phenomenal work. And yeah, I kind of just was listing all the different funds. And then I also was researching all of the potential like grants that were available at the Mm -hmm. government level and then trying to pair 501c3s to grants. Because like most of the organizations can't afford a grant writer. Most sex Mm -hmm. worker nonprofits don't really have operational budgets. These aren't Large dollar things—they're sex workers for sex workers. So of course, they don't have grant writers going out to find who's offering fifty thousand dollars here to cover somebody's like mortgage gap, and then how do we get that money directed to pay the mortgage gap? gap It's
0: overall that that part of it's a lot, a lot of work. And um, oh my god,
1: yeah. And so, like, I did not sleep. I didn't stop during the pandemic. I treated myself to one week at Disney during the pandemic. No regrets. Oh. Pandemic Disney was the best. There was, like, <laughs> there was like no one there. I loved social distancing. If we could keep that part, that would be great.
0: I, I loved, I did enjoy, I enjoyed the pandemic and I enjoyed the video calls with the people. I really did. I still do
1: them. I still do oh, them. Oh, I do I them. I used, love
0: them. I love them. I didn't them.
1: stop doing the, uh, the morning calls, the good night calls, mm-hmm. yoga, dog walking. And I ended up having the opportunity to reach a demographic of guests that physically did not mm-hmm. have the capacity to travel to the ranch because they're very disabled and being able to travel and to the immune compromise.
0: Imm- immune compromise too that's a whole nother thing there was a lot of people that oh are immune God. compromised yeah. that are it's sitting so alone like-
1: And a lot of those folks, you know, the bunny ranch isn't accessible to them. The chicken ranch isn't accessible to them. They don't have the financial means to hire an aide and actually get on a plane and get to Nevada or their health is so precarious that they can't. Now I'm able to connect with those people and reach them and really develop these really amazing and cool connections that I didn't have an opportunity to otherwise. So I feel like in many ways the pandemic forced me to grow and learn and adapt, yes. but it also it- forced me to grow as a person and as a sex worker because I have yes. such a deep appreciation now, not just for we need sex workers' rights, but now I also hold very, very near and dear to my heart the subsection of sex work as palliative work for the disabled community and yes. folks really need their intimate needs met and I learned all about that community that currently exists even government funded in Sweden they pay yeah. for sex workers to see folks with disabilities and like yes good that's right everybody deserves sex it's a human need
0: right and somebody I know um, had a brother that was autistic and the family this was the mom and everybody and I remember uh, it was a friend of mine's boyfriend, right? And he Mm -hmm. was a twin and his brother was autistic. And, um, I, I was dancing at the time and, uh, I was, I told my friend, I go, well, just tell your, tell your boyfriend to bring him in. And, and, And the parents were like, so happy they sent him with money. And then here, she didn't say I, and then it was very, very awkward though, because, her brother I'm gonna say brother-in-law but they weren't married her brother-in-law looked identical to her boyfriend and her boyfriend was there he brought him in you know because oh god (laughs) he was not um he was not you know I was like bringing it to the club because I love I always really took care of people you know what I mean because there is that community and so he brings him in but he looks identical to the boyfriend and I said she goes. Why? I go. I go. This was the awkward part. Looks like him. Like she laughed at me. She goes. I know. I, I forgot to tell you that part. They actually look alike, and that was that was the Great. awkward part because they look alike. But it made the family like the, her. What she told me. My boyfriend's family just want to thank you. They were like yeah. so appreciative of that. But it's true. There's a lot of people that are disabled, or you know, that they still are humans and have these sexual needs, and yeah. they're. And,
1: they they deserve it. They deserve to have access to it. And, you know, unfortunately, we don't have it set up in all 50 states. And so not everybody has the access to visit and not everybody has the access to work there, too. Correct. Like, you know, if you have kids, it's very challenging to work at a brothel if you're having to fly out there and then stay there for one to two weeks, whatever the tour is. If you have a lot going on outside, if you have pets, kids, responsibilities, the business, I mean, that's not accessible to you. Right, so there's right. lots of lots of little things that we can do within the existing system to kind of just tweak it, make it better. And then of course, take it and move it elsewhere. Hopefully, right. time goes that's- on anyway, learn yeah. and do better.
0: Now, my question, next question is, because you're so fascinating, how was it when the brothels finally did open after the pandemic?
1: I started at a completely new location. I made the choice to change businesses and change from working at the Bunny Ranch to the. Can chicken I ranch. ask why? Can I ask why? Oh, of course. Yes. So Dennis died before the pandemic, not mm-hmm. long before, but like a year. Yeah. So before. And so it was very much so under new management, a lot of things were changing. And I didn't necessarily agree with all of the changes in the behavior of management. And just the things that I was seeing didn't make me feel very comfortable long term. And mm-hmm. so in many ways, the pandemic was the perfect opportunity for me to try something new and daring and go to a new location for the first time in my career. Because I, I hadn't worked anywhere else. I'd only ever worked up north. In that one set of properties by that one company. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that not all brothels are run the same way. And as such, you're going to run into lots of different styles of management. You have small family brothels, which have small family problems where, you know, people don't always get along and you fight like cousins. Mm -hmm. You've got your hyper corporate brothel where it's like you mind your P's and Q's and nobody's really friends with each other. And you're very like... Stiff tied and hyper professional. And then there's somewhere in the medium where it's like a professional business, but there's still camaraderie, but it's not competitive so much as it is complimentary. Like, no, nobody here is identical except for the two girls who are literally identical. They're working together. They're not they're literally complementary to each other. Identical twins. Jesus Christ. So like,
0: you work with identical twins? I work with
1: extremely hot identical twins who are not open in the media. So if you're hearing about this and you're like, wow, holy shit, just go check out the chicken ranch website. They're great. They're wild. Oh, they're so much wow. fun.
0: So yeah. somebody could see a setup. I remember when I danced. There was, I'll never forget the first day at Crazy Horse Two. I'm dancing and I see one girl and then I see the other girl and I was like, whoa, what happened? But yeah, I worked with oh, yeah. a couple set of twins and um like maybe three sets of twins. No, maybe four. The fourth one was they were fraternal. Um, but this is a really big experience for people if who are they, into like, that who are in, who have that crazy fantasy, go check it out at the chicken ranch, because that's a great uh op- that's a great oh, yeah. little I'm over here that's a great opportunity.
1: No, it is though and it's like and again this speaks as to privilege they don't have the ability to be on this because they're looking to eventually go into other careers and right, so it's right. not as faced in and open as I am right. whereas this is my long-term career and so for me it makes sense to be able to come on here and talk about how hot my coworkers are and encourage everyone to go and see them complimentary not competitive because right. I can't clone myself what am I gonna do present like a, a sex doll like yeah. no no yeah. like everyone is such an individual and there's right. this myth in, in sex work in general, there's this myth that there's only so much to go around and that there can only be one of each thing, one redhead, one blonde, one black girl. There can only be one successful person in each thing and that's not reality Yeah, no. Yeah, it's not you, reality. You make your own success, you find your own business, you acquire your own regulars and you determine your success. And at the same time, it's important to acknowledge that some people definitely come in with certain realistic right. purposes. Now-
0: the lockdown houses, were you, did you start off at a lockdown house or is, you explain that to me?
1: So I was involved, I think you're going to be excited to hear this. Okay. I was involved before the pandemic uh-huh. with a movement called stoplockdown.org.
0: Wow. Which, by
1: the way, in hindsight, not a great name after the whole world went into lockdown <laughs> because people thought I was like, a right-wing extremist who was like, reopen the world. No, I'm like, let the ladies go home at the end of the night. Stop the brothel lockdown. And we actually overturned the Nye County law that required lockdown by proxy of the doctor requirement, where if you left the ranch, your doctor certificate would expire if you were gone for more than 20 hours, which Mm -hmm. created a scenario where the ladies essentially had to stay and sleep and work there. Right. Now at both locations in both counties, Nye County and in a uh, Lyon County up north, there's there's no more lockdown. That's that's not wow. a thing. So, so isn't here the Mustang Ranch? So the Mustang. Uh, I'm not sure what's going on. I believe they may have it in their contract, but it's no longer a legal requirement. They may oh. have it in their contract. the The Mustang Ranch is notoriously. Um, closed and private online. They don't share a lot of their procedures and policies. And uh-huh. you don't see a lot of their ladies hyperactive on social media discussing right. their policies. I've never worked there. I snuck in once, uh-huh. by the way. I snuck <laughs> in once. That was really fun. When I was brand new, myself and my roommate at the time, who also worked at the ranch, we like uh-huh. got changed out of our Bunny Ranch hoodies and like dressed down. And we went and we did a tour because we were brand new and no one knew who we were. Just oh, to go wow. And- I gotta say I was like a little bit creeped out by all the dead animals I did not expect there to be like an animal trophy room that was a little much
0: oh yeah
1: Um, that was a lot I I didn't know
0: about that wow so now you're at the chicken ranch is that a lockdown house it isn't A lot of the
1: ladies do end up choosing to stay there and sleep there simply because it is rural. It's far away. Like it's an hour's drive from Vegas. Uh So even ladies that live in Vegas, a lot of the times what they do is they drive in, they choose to just stay there, sleep there. But with that said, all the time, ladies run into town, go to the store. Somebody takes a day off, um, Come in If they're like in Vegas and then they'll just come in to work an appointment and then they'll go home. Mm -hmm. Most ladies also choose to stay at the ranch because they're also working the lineups, which is the general traffic that's coming in. And if you're not present in the house, you're not there for the lineup and to greet that person. And for ladies that are looking to still build their business, they want the opportunity to meet people coming through the door. Mm -hmm. Whereas I don't want to take that opportunity away from a new lady. Like I've built a phenomenal business. I receive lots of incoming traffic through email. So for me, I don't go to the lineup. So I come in, I do my appointment and then I go back to Vegas. You
0: you've developed your own um, customer base.
1: Yeah. And like, And I think that this is really exciting and something to definitely Mm -hmm. celebrate. I, when I first started was one of the only ladies to be appointment only to do this, to have access to the privilege. And there are now a number of colleagues that I am seeing at multiple brothels that are only working by appointment, either full-time by appointment, or they'll do a select month only by appointment, which is Mm -hmm. really nice to see is just an overall development of work-life balance for the industry. So it's right.
0: Because like you said, how, if somebody was, let's say taking care of an older relative, or if they have children, or if they have life, because I remember, um, what year was it? This had to be in like 2005 women Mm -hmm. were living in the brothels.
1: Yes. Yes. That is important to note. Uh, There are no like resident sex workers at the chicken ranch. That's not a thing. Ladies Uh don't live there. There's actually like, if you're staying there too long, they're going to be like, you need to go home.
0: Oh, so they encourage them to have balance. Yes. Yes. They're not going to let
1: you just stay there forever. Now, keep in mind, every location is different. Mm -hmm. Many locations would, in fact, require and request for ladies to stay longer, even incentivizing it. Oh, we'll give you a few days of free room and board if you'll stay a little bit longer. And that, to me, doesn't really feel advantageous to the sex worker, because now you're asking her to cut into her own personal time, which, you know, the business doesn't really have an access to. Now, as if, the lady chooses to take an appointment on her day off and come in. Well, that's her time and she can choose to spend it how she wants to. But yes. I always thought it was predatory to incentivize staying longer. I, I, I don't agree with that practice.
0: Right. No, you have a point of that because in order to be, to keep the longevity of sex work, like when I used to, okay, cause I've done all different forms. When I used mm-hmm. to dance, this was a crazy conversation. And actually my mom taught me this. I was dancing And I was working like five or six days during the week or whatever, but I was getting burnt out. And my mom said, why don't you, because you're not required to work like a nine to five. You don't have hours. You're independent. She said this, my mom was a social worker. My mom actually said this. She says, find the three best days that you know are the best. And she goes, tell all, my mother told me this, you know what I'm saying? And my mom's a social worker. How the hell she know to say this? She gave me this idea and I've kind of stuck with it, but she goes, Tell everybody your regulars, hey, I work, and for instance, I work was Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So I started to do that, and my money doubled those days. Mm-hmm. The and... more you
1: protect your time, the more you end up making in this industry. You do not have to give every scrap and shred of yourself to right. this industry and... to be successful. And in fact, you shouldn't, and it's more beneficial not to.
0: Right, right. So I when I did that and I made the change you know, I, that's when I realized I'm working smarter, not harder. And that's what you developed right away because you, you found your own knack with the brothel system to work smarter. But then again, and I have to say this for the listeners, you put in your time. You didn't just show up. Yeah. You didn't just I did.
1: I worked full time for years and years and years. I actually had to fight my way to get to the Bunny Ranch despite being the most successful person in the history ever of the company working at the Sagebrush Ranch because Dennis didn't really want to move the tiny redhead into the house full of blondes. That and he liked having me as kind of this like Threat this vague threat because he was very mm-hmm. big on competition. He right. will, he would have said it himself. He liked when the girls fought and argued because he thought that it made them more money if they were fighting and competing to be. And that's number not one.
0: the case. Yeah.
1: No, no, I didn't come into this wanting to be number one. That was never my motivation. I did this initially because I thought it would be cool, and then I liked it. And then I'm like, well, this is way better than selling cell phones. I want to do this. This is great. But like his biggest mistake was assuming that everybody had the same motivations that he had in this business and making these widespread business decisions that actually caused widespread harm, in my opinion, such as the fighting amongst girls and the false rivalry between the Alice Little at Sagebrush versus the blondes at the Bunny Ranch. Ridiculous. My money ended up going even higher when I started working at the Bunny Ranch. And since I refused to prescribe to the idea of competition and right. also frankly speaking, at that point in my career, I was like so head and shoulders above everybody else that it was like kind of upsetting to be in the weekly meetings for me. Cause it'd be like topic of the day is Alice. Oh. And Tuesday it's Alice. And Wednesday, it was Alice. And then Top Booker of the Week was Alice. And then Top Booker of the Month is Alice. And I'm like, I didn't ask you for any of this. I don't care. Please stop sharing my information with everybody. This is not motivational. It was demotivational for everybody. They were like the anti-tea parties. They were like the saddest tea parties ever. And I would intentionally try and get my regulars to come and see me during tea parties so I didn't have to go because they were terrible, like oh. there, there was no camaraderie, and, and also no I,
0: learned. also with Dennis is he did a lot of publicity. He kind of did. He did what people are doing now is he fabricated a lot of people's, like he he sensationalized sex work. I feel like he was the first one to ever sensationalize sex work. He did, um, and
1: the biggest the biggest thing too is that he didn't always ask the girls permission before he would do something. Thinking mm-hmm. again. Everyone has the same motivations. So he would do things for the girls without their consent. So mm. a, great, a really a really great example of this is he did a tabloid story saying that a girl was going to meet some rapper who had just gotten out of prison and offer him a party or something to get a headline. The problem was he put that girl's picture in tabloid mm. next to this rapper who just got out of prison. And he never said, I'm going to do this. Is this okay? And of course, the tabloids do what the tabloids do. Right. Prostitute offers. Meh, 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 meh. And it hurt her so much. Her family found out what she did. And she was not very open about right. it at that point in time. And he essentially forced her out of this, like forced her out as being a sex worker
0: because once he, you're in he the media, her. he her.
1: Yeah, because once you're in the media, the reality is, is it's very hard to take that away. Oh, you yeah. really can't you really can't do it, particularly as a sex worker. And yeah. a lot of new girls coming into this industry to rush to hire and get themselves on TMZ a lot of the times don't realize, hey, wait a minute, you can't then take down that TMZ article when you're no. ready to go to school. You can't. You can't just say, dear TMZ, hi, I am no longer a sex worker. They're going to laugh in your face and possibly take your letter and publish that because they don't care about you. They only care about the ad revenue that the clicks from your article are able to essentially generate. And so like you need to be prepared to have a professional relationship with the media when you're ready. And you need to know what you want to say, how you want to be presented. What kind of images do you want to share? How do you want your public perception to be? What kinds of things do you want your name associated with? Who do you want your name associated with? And my
0: big thing is if you have children um, or not, like if you have children be prepared for that, as well, what your children will say, your spouses, the family members of your spouse, you and know.
1: Please talk to other sex workers who have been there, done yes. that. Yes,
0: yes, lived yeah.
1: the experience of mm-hmm. being outed. We have right. had the experience of doctors laughing in our faces. I yeah. have had my life. Put at risk by medical professionals multiple times and i will personally roll up to the bedside of any sex worker that asks and be her advocate point of contact with her doctors if she needs because mm-hmm. i know really our lives are at risk if we don't look out for each other we yes. have to and so yeah, like and
0: i i'm noticing i call them pandemic beckys because they just came in during the be- when they came I, out of the woodworks. They came out of the woodwork. Yeah, they out. come out and there, and a lot of them are doing stuff that is hurting other sex workers.
1: Yeah, and I don't think it's intentional. It, it's much in the same way that it's easy to say, I think that it's good to prevent sex trafficking. Yes. Yeah, you're right, but you can't prevent sex trafficking at the expense of all sex workers. Consensual right. sex work exists, and when you help or start doing things without any real background knowledge history and working with your target demographic working right. with sex workers you cause more harm yes. So these individuals who popped up out of nowhere you see these sensational articles and a lot of the times and this is something that's really important people get excited they see a headline they're like "Ooh, she got a headline stop for one second and read the headline here that woman had her child Thrown out of his school because of her career, right. that child's life has now been impacted forever. Do you really wish that for your children? Well, some
0: that's, of those people with those articles, they don't tell you the full truth. That's and true too. That it's is, not.
1: It's yeah. not all reality. Sometimes right. the kid genuinely gets kicked out. Right. Sometimes. Sometimes she pulled the kid out, and that is right. Very or
0: sometimes, what in the one particular case um because one person particular and i'm not going to name any names of course there was, not, a, no. there was an article and my name is marcella there was an article about another marcella and i have this sex worker um who got sexually assaulted by uh, ron jeremy okay i'm not going to name the other sex worker i'm talking about i had sec- um new pandemic becky hit me up and go and literally dm me and said how many subs did you get that article from your OnlyFans? The which was the creepiest thing ever because no woman contacts another woman, right? The following two weeks later, yes, the following two weeks later, and again, they think I'm a different person. I'm not gonna name the other Marcella who was sexually assaulted, but the, and I felt it was very, very weird. The following two weeks later, I see them plastered out everywhere and they're not telling the full story. And now they are, they think they're at celebrity status. <laughs> like,
1: I just want to shake my head and cry. And, a
0: and exactly. So now because this person made this article, they're announcing what they're making. They're announcing that anybody can do it. All of a sudden, there was an increase of more people jumping in, not knowing mm-hmm. the realities of when you're a sex worker, how difficult it is to be in a relationship as a sex worker. how difficult it is to raise your children and the the different, you know, things that you will go through the stigma, the
1: the financial risk. Like, let's talk about the fact that like, I am a legal sex worker, my Mm -hmm. income, fully legal. I had. My Wells Fargo account closed down in the same giant swoop that targeted a whole bunch of folks that were doing OnlyFans and other forms of content Uh creation. My account was one of the ones that ended up being closed. So, I mean, there's a tremendous financial risk to being a sex worker. Like, thank God, another sex worker had given me a valuable piece of advice that I give to all sex workers everywhere Mm -hmm. do not have one bank. Do not have one bank. Do not have one bank. If you have one bank, Go open up another bank account on Monday morning, Tuesday morning, whatever day it is. Go open another bank account. Please, 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 please. Like that little piece of advice that I didn't really listen to. And I opened it because I was bullied into open it. Like I was able to pay my bills. I was able to switch all my stuff over before anything was frozen. And I was fine. Had I not had that... All of my funds would have been frozen, and I'm plenty financially successful. That I could probably pay off the majority of the things that I owe at this point. But like, when your assets are frozen because the financial systems don't believe that sex work is real work, it doesn't matter how successful and you are. And you are
0: doing legal stuff. You are
1: perfectly legal. You are perfectly,
0: perfectly legal. legal. So that's the thing. That's what people don't. A lot of people that are just now entering sex work, especially a lot of people during the pandemic. They don't get it. I personally, I'm going to be real with you. I get upset when I hear these sex workers come from a vanilla job and they say stuff like, oh, I took a vacation. I can buy this. I can buy that. Because when I entered sex work, I was trying to get off welfare. Mm-hmm. I had a child by myself. I wasn't receiving child support. I was just trying to survive. And then so I'm meeting your income. That's right. Your, that is your only income. It's it was like my only bonus income. Bonus. And then. You know, now, because I am an adult and I'm, I've am i tried getting other jobs, you know what I'm saying? I was discriminated first because of my race. I'm mm-hmm. not a Caucasian woman. So it's very difficult for a lot of black and brown people to get a vanilla job overall. Okay. Period.
1: End of sentence. Fact. And
0: it, overall, let alone, now I'm trying to go to sex work, but now I'm finding a lot of privileged white women come into sex work and all of a sudden, you know... They're taking opportunities from a lot of black and brown women. And then they're they don't realize that, they're proud. They don't that's, realize that's right and there. I'm glad you understand because when I bring this up to sometimes people, they're like, I've had people go, Well, you look white. You and I'm like, <laughs> like they'll say stuff, well, you don't look Spanish or you don't look Italian or you don't like I've had people say oh, I'm sorry, If, if, if <laughs> there there isn't an enough
1: like metric. There, there is there is no metric to right. racism. there's no Right, if you right. are not blonde hair, blue eyed, right. white, yep. white, white. So like, so white that it's not even up for debate. Like I am bred white. I am Irish. Like it's right. I am
0: very, very white. Right, right. Like,
1: racism exists. That's just a fact in a reality. And anybody who isn't in touch with reality really needs to take some time to educate themselves.
0: Yes. And do the work. Oh, sorry. Do the my anti-racism <laughs> work, dear God. My do... dogs are <laughs> act, acted up in the back over here. I agree. So, you
1: know, you gotta, gotta do the damn work yourselves, white people. Jesus Christ. Like, yeah.
0: So thank you so much. Can you please share where they can find you at? Yes, yeah, I'm all over
1: the internet, but the best place to find me is the And the best place to reach me is alicelittle at the
0: Thank you so much for being on Get Schooled.